Welcome to Through the Bible with our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz, and I'm so excited for you to hop aboard the Bible bus today. So as you open your copy of God's Word and turn to Galatians 2, verses 1 to 14, Greg and I have got an update on what God is doing through His Word in Russia and Ukraine. Yes, and Steve, uh, we do record some weeks in advance of when these hit the air or go out on our digital platforms, uh, and nothing would make me happier than for people to say, oh, that whole thing in Ukraine is all taken care of. Yeah. But uh, whether whether it's still happening or not, it has been a very traumatic war, and the, the issues between the Russians and the Ukrainians, and you you are half Russian and half Ukrainian, yeah, I've, my, right? My dad, my dad was Ukrainian, my mom was it was Russian, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it has a unique place in my heart to see these two countries fighting this yeah. way and knowing there's so much death and destruction happening senselessly. It, yeah, and, you know, people often ask us, well, what is through the Bible doing in these war-torn areas or these, these places where there are earthquakes and natural disasters? And our response is, our calling is not necessarily to do what you would call humanitarian relief, but... What we hear from the people is that they keep, they need the word of God even more when there are times of suffering. Yeah, and I we're going to be talking about uh, a Victor, yes. Victor Oxtorov, yeah. who is with FEBC, and we partner with that ministry yes. to do both the Russian and Ukrainian ministries. Mm-hmm. And uh, similar situation, Victor is Russian, yeah, actually a veteran of the Red Army, which <laughs> yeah. is kind of interesting. Well, I think he had to, and, yeah, yeah. And, and a believer, but yeah. great guy. And his wife Oksana is Ukrainian, <laughs> so they've got that same yeah. you know dual thing going on than I do in my family. So. Yeah. And and the the beautiful thing, and I've seen this in other parts of the world, is that where even when there are are political factions or differences, believers in Jesus can transcend those. And, yeah. and their love for Christ can can uh leap over any politics. And and so really the the Russian and the Ukrainian teams have been able to gather for some training seminars and then yeah. have some rest and learning and healing and and the as Victor told us in a report, there were some truly powerful moments during those meetings mm. between the two teams. Yeah, and just prayer requests. They got together and met, as you said, and the prayer requests that came out of that, primarily on the tops of everyone's minds, is the safety of the Ukrainian broadcasters. Communication infrastructure yeah. has been a target, and you know, a, a tower is a target. So be praying for the the safety of those those folks that have committed to stay in their country and be in a very difficult situation. They easily could have left and they've chosen to stay. Um, And then also pray for the Russian team members who are also at risk of increased persecution of Christianity. I mean, Putin and his crew are clamping down big time throughout the whole country, and it's it's getting more and more difficult to be a believer and to share the gospel in Russia. Yeah, those are very important prayer requests. And, And of course, we also want to encourage you to pray by hearing some of the stories. Now, yes. here's one from Ivan, a listener from the Ukraine who called in for help. Now, they have all, they have these, all of their staff are available to take phone calls and Facebook and WhatsApp. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how they are ministering. And he called in and said this, a week after we moved into our new apartment, it was hit by a bomb. I mean, yes. let's just stop. I mean, we can't even imagine that. Imagine if that were happening you know, in your neighborhood, uh, yeah. just what it would do to you. Well, Ivan goes on and said, now every time I hear a knock, I cry out and drop to the floor thinking it's a rocket Ugh. exploding. Talk about PTSD. Yeah. And then Victor Aktorov, who you said is the director of the FEBC Russian Ukrainian ministry, said he that at the time Ivan didn't know the Lord. That is when he called in mm-hmm. and he was living with his girlfriend who was pregnant with his child. And Ivan said, I had invested so much in that apartment. Now we're homeless and I'm out of work. At the same time, my girlfriend is about to give birth. I don't know what to do. Mm. 
And why don't you say share what Victor uh, yeah, he said goes on to, to us. say that the trauma Ivan had experienced left him exhausted, and he was unable to give his family the attention they needed. He also went to alcohol to relieve his stress, which led to domestic fights. Something needs to change, Ivan said. We referred Ivan to a counselor for advice for managing the trauma he had experienced and then encouraged him to try praying to God. I would love to do that, Ivan said, and as we prayed together, he put his faith in Christ. Everything has become so much lighter, Ivan said. It was God who brought me to you. Wow, Steve, I wish we had time to unpack yeah. that, but we need to pray. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, we continue to pray for, for Christians and non-Christians alike in both those countries, Russia and Ukraine. I pray that you would use this tragedy the way you so faithfully do in all other situations to bring glory to yourself and cause many people to turn to Christ. May you bless the ministry of Through the Bible in that part of the world. May you protect Christians, and may you bless the program as it goes out now. In Jesus' name, amen. Here now is Dr. J. Vernon McGee with our study of Galatians 2 on Through the Bible. Now today, friends, we come to the second division of this personal section of the epistle to the Galatians. We saw last time the experience of Paul in Arabia. And there we saw the origin of the gospel. The Lord Jesus communicated it to him directly. Now the question arose, was it the same gospel that the other apostles had received also from the Lord Jesus? They had received it from his lips. Now, in the first part of chapter 2 here, the first 10 verses, we see the oneness of the gospel and Paul's experience with the apostles in Jerusalem. And notice the first five verses that we have in this chapter here. He says, then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I took Titus with me also. And I think that's rather a master stroke here of Paul taking up with him this man, Titus, young preacher, because he was a Gentile. And the question's going to be at that great council, first council of the church in Jerusalem, and it concerned whether men are saved by the grace of God or whether they should come in under the law. And Paul had him there as exhibit number one. He was not circumcised. Will he be forced to become circumcised? That's going to become, by the way, a very important question and one that I would say is going to have to be answered one way or another. And so we find here that this is a very important matter. In fact, it's all important here. Now, I want us to look at this because what we have here is this experience of Paul with the apostles. He says that they have come up to Jerusalem to decide whether man must come in under the Mosaic law. Because, you see, the Judaizers were out and they were saying the church in Jerusalem believes you should be under the law. Well, all of those men there for the Jerusalem church was an all-Jewish church. They had certainly been under it. Many of them still went to the temple to worship. And, in fact, that must have been their meeting place. And there was nothing wrong with that. And I believe that this reference here now in verse 1 is the reference to the council of Jerusalem as recorded in the 15th chapter of Acts. When Paul and Barnabas came up there in order to get this church's word about the gospel, 
Now, notice what happened. He says, I went up by revelation. Now, Paul wasn't about to go up there again and receive cold treatment. That is probably no reception at all, unless he felt he was in the will of God. So he said, I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. But privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Now, Paul recognized that if he was preaching a different gospel than the other apostles were preaching, then there was something wrong, radically wrong. And Paul was very willing to admit, he said, if I was preaching a different gospel, then I'm the one that's wrong. I'd run in vain. I'd certainly been disillusioned. I'd been misinformed. And so he goes up and he communicates that gospel. And while he was there, he says, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that, because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Now, there was some that had come into the church out where Paul was preaching, and they came in there under false colors. They actually were not believers, apparently. They just came in to spy out the liberty they had in Christ. And they found out, here's this young Greek Titus, and Paul never compelled him to be circumcised. So what are they going to decide about him? And Paul says, well, they didn't compel him to be circumcised. And they didn't listen to the false brethren. Because if they had, we'd have been put right back under bondage. Bondage to the law and not freedom by the Spirit of God and freedom in Christ. Now, Paul says, to whom we gave place by subjection? Why, no, not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul stood by his guns and he said, no, sir. These false brethren said, why, this man Titus that's here meeting with the church, and it was practically all Jewish then, why, he's not even circumcised. And Paul says he's not going to be. And he's as much a believer as any of you are believers here. He is a real believer in Christ. And he's been saved, actually, by faith apart from the law. He's not about to follow any part of the law for salvation. Paul says we didn't give way to that at all. Now, this is a tremendous stand you see that he's taking. Now, notice what happens here. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. Now, Paul says, we sat down with the apostles. At least he did, and I suppose Barnabas and Titus. They all sat down, and they communicated the gospel. They said, now, Brother Paul, we've been hearing these reports. Tell us what you're preaching. Paul told them. And they found out, at least Paul found out, that these brethren didn't have anything to add to him at all. (laughs) He was preaching the grace of God. These brethren were preaching the grace of God. And this was the gospel that had been given to the apostles at the very beginning. 
I say to you that this was a very wonderful thing that has taken place yonder in Jerusalem. They find out that they're in full agreement. They're all preaching the same gospel. And this is a tremendous, very wonderful thing. Now let me move on. Verse 7, But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was committed unto Peter. Now, what we have here is actually not two gospels in the sense that there was Peter's gospel and Paul's gospel. These men were in real agreement, by the way. There's no disagreement at all. The gospel of the circumcision means that it was the group he was speaking to. And the Gentiles here was the group that Paul was speaking to. Paul was called to go to the Gentiles. Peter was called to go to his own brethren. And the gospel of the circumcision was to Peter, and the uncircumcision was committed unto me, Paul says. Now he says, For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And the proof of the pudding, of course, is always in the eating. And what results were they getting? Well, when Peter preached the gospel, there were quite a few people saved. When Paul preached the gospel, quite a few people were saved. They were both preaching the same gospel. Now, I believe that today the real test of any work is not promotion. The real test of any work is what results does it get? I think that God's people today ought to be very careful where you give even. And I'll tell you why. If it's not getting results, why in the world give to it? And that's the reason we've said here before, you ought to give to the place where you receive your blessing. Is a church blessing you? You ought to support that church. Is a radio program blessing you? Then you ought to support that program. And there are a great many Christians today that are supporting the wrong things. They're getting no blessing from it. And the fact of the matter is, there's no result. The reason I share letters with you, I think I should. I'm obligated to. My only problem is, I wish I could share with you Hundreds of others. My secretary brought in during the Christmas holidays a sheaf of letters. Friends, I'd never be able. Now, I've been going through them, sharing some of them with you. But I just can't even touch it. We believe that we're getting results today. And if we weren't, I'd get off the air. Because that's the only purpose, to give out the Word of God today. And if the Word of God's given out, it'll get results. And Paul says here, the proof of Peter's ministry was he was reaching the circumcision. The proof of my ministry, Paul says, is I'm reaching the Gentiles. That is the thing that was all important here to this man, you see. Now, he goes on and says here in verse 9, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the Gentiles, and they unto the circumcision. Now, they would go to a different group, and Paul and Barnabas were committed to go to the Gentiles. Only they would that we should remember the poor, 
the same which I also was forward to do. And Paul came back later with an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem because that church had been persecuted and it was in a sad condition. And Paul had helped do it, by the way, before he was converted. And that's the reason he wanted to bring back in his own hands the gift to this church. Why? Because of the fact that he had persecuted the church and he wanted now to help them and he was for doing that. Now, this is social service. If there's one thing that I suppose that we that are fundamental are guilty of is the lack of real service in this particular area. James is very practical in this. He says, when a man comes among you and he's hungry, don't give him the gospel. Feed him first, then give him the gospel. I'm of the opinion that fundamental churches ought to be doing more to help folk. I have tried in Los Angeles now for several years to establish a work in South Los Angeles. We've had some success. We have a Bible training school down that's doing a wonderful job and with some of the most wonderful people I've ever met in my life, wonderful Christians. And I just thank God for them. And I wish that more could be done. But you know, it's difficult to get people today that are real believers in the Bible to get interested in doing that. Now, Paul says that there is this side to it. And the church there and the apostles said to Paul and Barnabas, now, don't forget to remember the poor. <laughs> That's not the gospel. But if you've been saved by the grace of God, you're going to remember them. And Paul says, I was forward. I wanted to do this. Now, we come to the third experience of Paul. And this, again, friends, brings us to a very wonderful section. I love this section we're coming to. And this is the experience of Paul in Antioch with Simon Peter. The first experience was the experience of Paul in Arabia with the Lord Jesus Christ. The second was the experience of Paul with the apostles in Jerusalem. And now we have the experience of Paul in Antioch with Peter. Now, the church in Antioch, friends, was largely a Gentile church. It actually was a mixture. And we will not understand what really happened there unless we understand how the early church operated. Now, they had a love feast that they had in connection with the Lord's Supper. Paul has a great deal to say about it in 1 Corinthians, by the way. And the early believers came together for a meal. Then they celebrated the Lord's Supper. Now, when Gentiles were saved, it raised a problem. There was the Jews who had never eaten anything sacrificed to idols. Now, the Gentiles had been idolaters, and they were accustomed to get meat that was offered to idols, or they ate pork. It made no difference to them. They'd been brought up that way. Now, how are you going to keep from offending these people? Well, they established in Antioch two tables. One was the kosher table, the other was the Gentile table. Now, Paul ate at the Gentile table. He was a Jew, but he ate at the Gentile table because Paul had said, whether you eat meat or you don't eat meat, well, it makes no difference. Meat won't commend you to God. And so the thing is that Simon Peter came up to visit Paul up in Antioch. And I want to tell you, friends, it was a new experience for him 
because this man, although converted, he had never eaten anything unclean. You remember, that's what he told the Lord down there on the roof, down in Joppa. Before he went to the home of Cornelius, he said, Why, Lord, you want me to rise, slay, and eat? I just never eaten anything unclean. And remember, he'd been a believer for some time, but he still followed that pattern. Now he came up to Antioch, and that was the Gentile table, and that was the kosher table. And so Peter came in and visited. Listen now to the way Paul describes it, verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Now, what happened was this. Peter came up to visit Paul. And so when they came in to eat, Simon Peter naturally went over and ate at the kosher table. And Paul went over to eat at that. And he noticed that night that they had a pork roast over at the Gentile table. After the meal, why, Peter joined Paul after the meal when they went outside for a little walk. And he said, Paul, I noticed you eat at the Gentile table. He said, yes. says, I noticed that you ate pork tonight. Oh, Paul says, yes. And Peter says, well, by the way, is it good? I never tasted it. Oh, Paul says, it's delicious. And Peter says, do you think it'd be all right if I ate over there? Well, the thing that Paul says, well, it's my understanding we're going to have some nice pork chops in the morning for breakfast. Oh, he said, I think I'd like to come. And he came, and so he sat down gingerly, asked rather reluctantly, and took a pork chop, tasted it, reached over and said to Paul, says, it is delicious, isn't it? Paul said, yes. Because after all, under grace, you can either eat it or not eat it. Doesn't make any difference. Meat won't command you to God. And so Simon Peter said, I'll be here tonight. I understand that you're going to have some ham tonight, and I want to try that. And so that night, he starts rushing in. But he looks over, and he sees some of the elders from the church down in Jerusalem. They've come up to visit also. And Simon Peter played musical chairs. He went all the way around that Gentile table and went over and sat down at the kosher table like a little whip puppy. And Paul saw that. What did Paul do? Well, here's what happened. Verse 13, And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? You see that it was all right for Peter to go to either table. He could sit down and eat kosher or the other. But when he'd been eating at the Gentile table, and for fear of these brethren, he comes in and goes back. What he's saying is this. He's saying in substance and by act, he's saying that Gentile table is wrong. Friends, if it wasn't wrong in his thinking, he would have eaten that. But he didn't. And he's saying the Gentiles ought to all come over and eat at this other table. And that's wrong. Paul said in Christ, we have liberty. You can either eat meat or not eat meat. And that's the important thing. You know, there's so many people today, Christians, I think they're sincere. They try their best to put you through their little wicket gate. 
Well, I guess I'm rather stubborn. I always say to these folk, if I got to come through your little wicked gate, I'm not coming. I have a liberty in Christ. And that liberty is that he's my Savior. He's my Lord. I'm accountable to him. And he, by the way, may I say, I think he's a real dictator. I tell you, he wants me to bow to him, and I'm going to bow to him because I love him, and I want to serve him. And I'm not interested in your little wicked gate. Oh, what a tremendous thing this is right here. Our greatest opposition to the gospel today are these people that try to push you through their little wicked gate. Well, I'll have to leave off there today. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Invite a friend to hop aboard the Bible bus and join us in our next study of Galatians, or go back and listen to today's study again when you download our app from your app store. Or if we can answer any of your questions about this fruitful ministry, just call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE, or you can always visit us online, ttb.org's the address. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you to meet me here next time as we continue to make our way through the Bible. grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.